Thank you, Steve, and thank you for the uh, opportunity for us to sing along uh, with you. What a blessing that is. Well, last week we began a new series looking at the fundamentals of the faith or some of the basic beliefs that we as Christians hold. And we began with the Bible. The reason we did that is because everything we believe is rooted in Scripture, comes out of Scripture. And uh, it is our belief that, that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant Word of God, that we can, that we can build upon that, that that is the foundation for our beliefs. Now today, we come to the doctrine of God. Does God exist? Is He real? That is what I want us to consider today. There was a pastor in Atlanta who told the story about a woman who had come and visited his church. He made an appointment to visit with her because he wasn't sure of her condition, if she were interested in the church. So he made an appointment to visit with her. As they talked, she said to him that she belonged to another church there in Atlanta and, in fact, taught in Sunday school. As they continued their conversation, she then said that she did not believe in the existence of God. He quizzed her a little about that because he was curious that she belonged to a church. She taught a Sunday school class but did not believe in the existence of God. She said, I believe in human goodness, in humanity, and in the moral teachings of Christianity. But feel the idea of God is simply a projection of the human mind. Now, we all know that atheism is growing in our land. More and more people are declaring that they do not believe in the existence of God. I think there are a couple of reasons for that. For some, it is a matter of convenience. If there is no God, then I do not have to be concerned about his moral demands on my life. In other words, if there is no God, then I can do whatever I wish. There are no consequences to what I do. So it's a matter of convenience. There are other people, though, who are sincere in their belief that there is no God. It is my belief if someone is sincere in that position, then one is willing to at least consider the possibility that God does exist. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God 
For an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. According to the Apostle Paul, God has revealed himself to man. And man's rejection of God comes to his own detriment. Now then Paul begins here with the revelation of God in verse number 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God is infinite. Man is finite. Therefore, the only way that finite man can know infinite God is for God to reveal himself to man. Paul said that he has done exactly that. He has given two witnesses that no one can miss. Thus, man is without excuse. He said, first of all, there is an external witness, which is creation, If there is creation, there must be a creator. And then there is an internal witness, which is conscience. Inside of man, God has made man so that there is something inside us that says there is a God. So Paul says that God has revealed himself to man so that man is without excuse. There is the external witness of creation. There is the internal witness of of conscience. In other words, Paul says that God revealed himself through natural revelation, or he revealed himself to us through what has been created. Psalm 19:1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hand. I think for most of you, you would be like I am, and that's when I go out at night and look up into the sky. If it's particularly brilliant, you can see the stars. I marvel knowing that God put those stars in the orbit, that God is the one who placed them there. They are there, the Bible says, giving witness to the existence of God. They are there as testaments. That God is the creator, that he is the one who made those. Kepler, the astronomer, had a friend who denied the existence of God. So on one occasion, Kepler made a model of the universe. There was the sun and the planets that encircled it and so forth. His friend came over to see him. He saw the model there. And he said, how beautiful. Who made that? And Kepler said, no one, it it made itself. His friend said, that's nonsense. Who made it? Kepler said, friend, you say that this little toy could not make itself. It is but a very weak imitation of this great universe, which I understand you believe did make itself. Creation testifies that there is a creator. I I could never convince you 
that this building stands here as the result of an explosion in a lumber yard. <laughs> if I told you that, you would think I, I was uh, a brick or two short. Some of you think that anyway. But when you look at this building, you know that there was an architect. You know that there were builders. You know that there were people who worked. This building stands here as a testament that someone built it. Creation stands as a testament that there is a creator, that someone created it. The order of natural law suggests design. The natural laws, law of gravity. You know that gravity exists whether you believe it or not. And every time you jump up, you're going to come down. Because the law of gravity is consistent. They're, they're, they're the seasons and the order of the seasons. Do you know they come the same way every year? Now, some of you young people might not know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about seasons. You call it climate change, but we used to call it seasons. But every year it's the same way. We begin January in, in winter, and then that is followed by spring, and then there's summer, and then there's fall, and then there's winter again, and, and it comes the same way every year. It doesn't go from winter to, to, uh, to fall to spring to summer. No, it's the same way. So there is an order to it, and in this world there is order which suggests that there is a design. There's a nature of man. It's inconceivable to me that intelligence could come out of unintelligence. And then there's the religious nature of man. God has created man with the desire to know him. I remember reading one time Billy Graham when he was going all over the world preaching. He said, no matter where I go, no matter how primitive the society, they always worship something. He said, there is within the heart of man the knowledge, the understanding that there is a God, that there is something bigger, that there is something no, no matter what they call it. So there is natural revelation. There is, there is physical, the physical world that God has created. And then there is biblical revelation. You see, the creation tells us there is a creator, and the Bible tells us who he is. The Bible tells us that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible says that it is God who created the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us that not only is he the creator of this world, but he is also the Lord of this world. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. So the Bible says then that God created this world, that he is the Lord of this world, and that he is the Redeemer. When Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that he was going to send a Redeemer. Now, aren't you grateful for that? They had sinned against God, and God says, I am going to send a Savior. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send someone to redeem you from your sin. And that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
For it is He who will save His people from their sins. So, how do we know that there is a God? There's natural revelation. God has revealed Himself through the world that He created. There is biblical revelation. The Bible tells us who God is. And then there's personal revelation. God reveals Himself to us personally in a way that we understand. For instance, He revealed Himself to Job in Job 42, verse 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see thee. God had revealed Himself to Job in some way. But He revealed Himself personally to Job. He revealed Himself to Isaiah. Isaiah said, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. My friend, God reveals Himself to us. If you do not believe in God, it isn't because of a lack of information. It is because of the condition of the heart. God reveals Himself to us if we look for God. I would imagine there are many of you who would say, you know, I, I, I see God everywhere. Some people look and say, I, I see Him nowhere. Others look and say, I see Him everywhere. There are times, and not all the time, but sometime, and those are special times for me. But there are those times when I'm in prayer and I'm praying. And God is more real to me at those times than you are. I couldn't explain that. But many of you know what I'm talking about. There are those times when you're praying and you just, you're just overwhelmed with God because God has revealed Himself to you. There are times in our worship service when you just sense the presence of God in such a powerful way. I, I love to watch y'all while we're singing and so forth because my heart is blessed. When I look at it, and for some of you, I, I know you're saying, well, but for others, you're meeting with God and God is so real. I'm around people, and I, and I can see the presence of God. You see, God reveals Himself to us in ways that we understand. And sometimes for me it's through prayer. Sometimes it's through worship. Sometimes it's in talking with you or just being with you. But God reveals Himself. So there's the revelation of God. He reveals Himself to us through natural revelation, the creation, through biblical revelation, what the Bible says, and then through personal revelation as He reveals Himself to us, maybe in some special way. But let me say this about that. When God reveals Himself to you, it will never be in a way that contradicts His Word. So if you have some weird experience and say, well, that's God, that is contrary to the Word of God, no, that is not God. It will always be consistent with Scripture. Now, the character of God. And there are many ideas concerning the character of God. What is His character? And the deists saw Him as a, an impersonal first cause, that God created this world, wound it up, put it in orbit, and left it. So... The deists saw God as being the impersonal first cause. There are those who understand God in terms of being a, 
a doting old grandfather. I don't remember the song, Steve, but I, re- I remember we used to sing that song. You know, uh, you know we sing, and though it makes him sad, he always says, I forgive. That's not a good song. I don't know if we sing. I don't remember us singing. That's not that because the theology is not good. But there are some people who think of God that way. No matter what I do, God is like an old grandfather. He sits up and says, well, bless their heart. Uh, I forgive you. Just continue on. No, that's not God. There are those who see him as a tyrant. And when they think of God, they think, oh, you know, he exists to make me miserable. Don't get close to God. He'll make you become a missionary or something and send you somewhere. Life is going to be terrible if you get to know God. And so there are those who understand God as being a tyrant. Some people think of him as a grandfather. Uh, some think of him as being an impersonal person. What about Jesus? How did, he, how did he see the character of God? G. Campbell Morgan wrote, He made certain clear declarations about God, but they were all incidental. In other words, Jesus did not lay out a systematic proof of the existence of God. He assumed the existence of God. Now, when Jesus spoke about God, he used three names or titles to refer to God. He referred to him as God, which is rather abstract. It really doesn't tell us a lot about him. It actually refers to his existence. You remember when the Lord met with Moses and called him to, to go to the people, to go to Pharaoh and deliver the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? And Moses said, you know, Lord, I'd like to do that, but who am I going to say hath sent me? And God said, you tell them I am hath sent you, which speaks of his existence. So when, when Jesus referred to God as being God, he is referring to his existence. The basic definition means one implored, one to whom sacrifice is given. So Jesus referred to him as God. He referred to him as Lord. But whenever he referred to him as Lord, it was always a quotation from the Old Testament. He referred to him as Father. And Jesus was the one who popularized the idea that God is Father. In fact, his first recorded words, Know you not that I must be about my Father's business. His last recorded words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So, Jesus was the one who presented God as a Father. Now then, that suggests, because He is our Father, that suggests that He knows my needs. Matthew 6, 8, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. All right, so if He is your Father then, and that's the way that Jesus presented Him, if He is your Father, He knows your needs. Isn't that good? He knows your needs. Not only does he know your needs, but he meets your needs. I, I remember, and you could give testimony, I'll not go into them, because there were so many of those times whenever Linda and I first went into the ministry, and we had so many needs. And the way God, it seems, just miraculously met our needs time and time again, personally. The Lord meets the needs of, the, of his church. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. When we built this building, there was no way we could pay for it. I mean, you know, how are you going how, how to pay for it? And uh, we've never missed payment on it. 
Why? Because you're all rich? If you are, I'd like to know your name. <laughs> because I, I'm going to need to be talking to you next spring. So I'd, I'd like to know your name. But God has provided for us. God provides for His church, and, and I'm grateful for that. And just at the perfect time, then the why becomes available. I mean, just at the perfect time, because, it's, because God does things that way. And you know the thing that is a surprise is that God oftentimes meets our needs in ways we didn't expect. Oftentimes He meets our needs from sources we did not anticipate. And He does that, I think, to say to us, it isn't about you, it's about me. So God provides for us. He, he knows my needs. He meets my needs. And then the Bible says that He loves me, that He loves you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus speaks about the character of God. The Scripture speaks about the character of God. The Scripture says that He is Spirit. God is Spirit. John four twenty four. God is Spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So when the Bible says that God is spirit, it means that He is not limited by time, space, or tradition. He is spirit. He is not limited. But then the Bible says that He is a person. In Sunday school, a teacher was talking about God, and she said that God is spirit. There was a little boy there who said, Well, I want a God that's got skin on. Well, we all do, don't we? And that's what Jesus is. He, he is God with skin on. So we know God by knowing Jesus. He is infinite. That means that He is omnipotent. He parted the Red Sea. He calmed the Sea of Galilee. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He is omnipotent. He has all power. He is omnipresent. The heathen philosopher will say, where is God? The Christian will say, where is He not? The psalmist said, if I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Ladies and gentlemen, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. I was praying before I came out here a while ago, and I, and I prayed for our service. I asked the Lord for His anointing, and I said, God, thank you that you're here with me, but you're there with Eric over at Village Church. And you're there in Houston with my brother who's preaching there. He's everywhere. Sometimes we talk about the privacy of our home. I have bad news for you. Now, some of you believed in the privacy of home before the NSA revelation, but God knows too. He's everywhere. He is omnipotent. He has all power. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omniscient. He knows everything. little boy asked his father after church, he said, Daddy, does, does God know everything? He said, yes, son, he does. He said, well, then why is the pastor always telling him things? He is eternal. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. He is absolute, which means that he is immutable. He does not change. God does not change. The Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His purpose does not change. His purpose has never changed. His methods change. The way He does things changes. But God does not. He is holy, which means that He is separate 
He is different from us. We are different from Him. Because He is holy, His holiness condemns our unholiness. But because He is holy, He reaches out to us in mercy. He is holy. He is righteous. He deals with us in righteousness. He is sovereign. That means that God can do what He wills as long as it's in keeping with who He is. He is sovereign. But did you know that in His sovereignty that God wills to limit Himself? I hear people say all the time, God can do anything. No, He can't. In His sovereignty, He has, he has limited Himself. For instance, the Bible says that he cannot lie. Titus 1-2, God who cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2-13, he cannot deny himself. He cannot sin. Hebrews 4-15, tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. The character of God, he is spirit, he is personal, he is infinite. He is absolute, and He is sovereign. But now, God has revealed Himself, but the question is concerning your belief in Him. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my belief that the, only with the belief in God do you have the answers to, to the basic questions of life. I really don't think that you can know the basic Answers to questions without God. For instance, the philosophical question, where did I come from? What options are available to you? Where did I come from? Well, there was was nothing, and then there was something. That doesn't even make sense. There was nothing, and then there was something not very satisfying. Well, you can say, well, I'm here as the result of an accident. There was an explosion. I guess there was something. There wasn't nothing. Something had to explode. So there was an explosion of some gases. And and I am here simply as the result of a cosmic accident. There's no rhyme or Or another option is that we can believe that God created us. I'll take that one. Then there's the theological question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Without God, I don't think there is purpose in life. We're like the farmer in Luke chapter 12 who said, Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. It's all over. It is. You're just here, and then you're gone. That's all there is to it. But with God, I, I have purpose. I came from somewhere. I'm doing something, and I'm going somewhere. There's purpose in my life with God. Only God can give you purpose in life. Real purpose in life only comes from God. Uh, then there's a personal question. Well, what will you do with God? Well, what are your options? You can ignore Him. The story in the Bible about Lazarus and the rich man, one of the things that intrigues me about that story is that the Bible does not present the rich man as being a terrible sinner. doesn't say anything about it. I think he was just caught up in life. He was busy, and he ignored God. 
I really think that's what he did. There is no indication that he was a terrible person. He just ignored God. And you can do the same thing. Or you can reject him. If you choose, you can say, well, I I have nothing to do with him. I don't want God in my life. And you can reject him. Or you can receive him. Invite him to be the God of your life. He's the God of the universe, but you can invite him to be, be the God of your life. 1829, George Wilson was sentenced to be hung for murder. President Andrew Jackson pardoned him, but Mr. Wilson refused the pardon. The president took it to the Supreme Court, and Justice John Marshall wrote, A pardon is a paper the value which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. It is hardly to be supposed that one under sentence of death would refuse to accept a pardon, but if it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged, and he was. Jesus Christ paid for your sins to give you a pardon. He's provided it. But if you do not accept his pardon, then you suffer the consequence. It is no pardon for you. The choice is yours as to whether or not he is the Lord in your life. Our gracious Father in God, we come to a time of invitation asking, Father, that You speak to hearts by your Holy Spirit and by your word. Lord, I pray for those today who have never come to know you that they would. For others who need to make commitments to join the church and so forth, I pray that they would. In Christ's name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand, sing a hymn of invitation as we do. This is an invitation for you. What will you do? What will you do? Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you receive his pardon today? If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.